Hi, I'm Tashi from Paint by Tashi J Bell on Instagram. Hi, I'm Yonja from Germavolt. And this is the Beauty Business Podcast, a podcast that focuses on the business and legal aspects of the beauty and fashion industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Podcast. We've got um, Tashi here. How's your week been, Tashi? Hi, I'm okay. I've been really busy. It's been a busy period now, currently, because of all the holiday activations. Yeah. Yeah, leading into Christmas, so everyone's got their Christmas specials happening and With events. Black Friday and, everything. and Cyber Monday, it's all very fun. Yeah, it's all happening. So, we have an amazing guest on our show today, Olivia Jenkins, the consultant coaching strategist extraordinaire, I'm going to say. Yay, welcome, Olivia. Thank you. Thank you for an amazing introduction. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so happy that you had the time to come on the show, Olivia. Yes, yes. My and pleasure. We know how busy you are, especially leading up to Black Friday and um, I suppose all the events that are going to be happening and stuff for leading into Christmas and Boxing Day and busy, busy. <laughs> it is. It's the final sprint to the end of the year. I think everyone is just crawling across the finish line at the moment but it's yeah, it's really good to be here and I'm excited to be able to share a little bit of my journey with you both. Yay and we can't wait to hear so we're going to dive right into it. Um, so tell us um, you know tell our listeners like a bit about yourself what you do. Yes where to begin. Where to so, begin. Yeah. <laughs> from a business perspective I'm a 14 times award-winning business and marketing consultant I specialise in serving CEOs in the health, beauty, fashion and lifestyle industries. So the bulk of what I do is very much in those key industries. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I'm also a mum. So I have three beautiful children, age two, four and five. Mm. Oh, I wow. Live, <laughs> I live in the Barossa Valley and I feel like I live a double life sometimes because we're actually based on a primary production farm. So we have a combination of broadacre cropping, sheep and cattle. So I wow. go to my... My, oh my goodness. office every day in a suit. I'm wearing a very Gossip Girl-esque suit today. Really? And yeah. then I will Love drive it. home this afternoon and I will pull into my driveway, which is a farm, and then I will step into my work boots and start feeding horses. So it's a very, um, very different life from I day to it. night. Oh, my goodness. Keeps things interesting and very fun. And, yeah, I've come from a 10-year career in corporate as a general manager for global health and beauty brands before I turned to consulting and that was sort of how I spent my corporate days and then after having my two boys so my four and five year old were one and two when I started consulting I decided that I wanted to start my own business I come from very entrepreneur style DNA with my mum having a global beauty brand um, as well so I always knew that I wanted to start my own business it was just a matter of do I go into a product-based business and launch a brand or do I go into service and actually support CEOs, mm. which is essentially what I did in my corporate career? Amazing. Amazing. I'm flabbergasted. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm floored. You are amazing. And are you tired just listening well. to me? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just going from the Gossip Girls suit to the to the farm boots. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. That is such a contrast it of, is of lifestyle but, but i love it though it's like it's, it's so, so good though cool. because 
I sometimes find, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this if you're listening at home, when you work in digital marketing, in anything that requires you to be on a computer for a lot of your day, you can get home and feel like you've lived in a parallel universe. Totally. Mm. And so it's so nice to just pull into the farm, throw my work boots on. I don't have my phone on me. I go down to the stables and there's just something really special and calming about regrounding yourself in nature. And I think that's Mm. a really important thing to do if you're very much on a computer and working in a digital headset for majority of the day. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's, um, it's a balance. So Olivia, tell us a little bit more, um, if we can get a bit more around like what you do in terms of consulting and um, maybe a bit more detail into what kind of businesses you consult for. Sure. So your business is called Olivia Jenkins Consulting, isn't it? Yes, it's it's very original. I went with a very original name, in all honesty. (laughs) Just get straight to the point. I love it. Oh, I'm I'm so like that. I'm an Aries. I'm super direct. I'm very straight to the point. And that's my consulting style as well. So I think to be a client of mine, you have to be prepared to work with a straight shooter because that's what I am. I'm not a sugar <laughs> coder. I love straight shooters. What's about? Get straight I to the know point. Olivia's coming from because I'm an Aries as well. Oh my gosh! So you yeah. understand we can yeah. be savage, and I'm also yeah. Greek as well, and so I feel like that just accentuates it even further because <laughs> Greek people traditionally are very straight to the point, also. Um, but I think it's it's really good for clients because at least you know where you stand and I'll always give my open and honest feedback, of course, in the most respectful way. But yes. it's really about, you know, prioritizing the client and making sure that they're actually getting the results because mm. I'm sure we can all relate to being in a situation in business where you just want someone to come in and tell you what you're doing wrong or, you know, tell you what, what you can do to change for things. Sure. And so that's... Yeah really Mm. what it's all about however Mm. that also comes down to having trust Mm. and having a a similar communication style because that's the the two main things that you look at in any relationship business or otherwise you have to have trust in one another and you also have to have an aligned communication style so in terms of what I do when I first launched the business in mid-2019 I honestly thought that I would be meeting with clients once a month We would sit in a boardroom for four hours and we would review numbers and look at sales and come up with strategies and I would leave them with an action plan of the things that they would implement Mm -hmm. and we would come back together and meet the next month and that's how I thought it would go. What I worked out very early on in the piece is that clients either didn't have the time, the skill set or the resources in-house or a combination of a couple or a few of those. Mm. And so they looked to me for implementation as well. And so what ended up happening was I developed this signature offering of advisory and implementation because as we all know, strategies are amazing, but Mm. if they're not executed correctly, it falls apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, you can write down, okay, this is the strategy and we can all agree on it in a boardroom, but then if it's executed on a scale of, you know, zero to 10 with zero being the worst possible execution and 10 being the best possible execution, well, there's a spectrum in there for sales results as well because if it's Mm. executed poorly, it's not going to translate into sales. So Mm. I worked out very quickly that I needed to do both and that's what I did and it 
probably complimented me somewhat because I am a bit of a control freak also. And yeah. it can be frustrating when you have a vision in your head in the boardroom of this is what we need to do. Let's go do it. And then you come back and it's not being done to the standard or, you know, you could see it having been done better. So it was really good to be able to control the outcomes as well. And I think that's what helped me have a lot of success with clients in terms of working really closely with them and actually mm. getting the results because I could control the outcomes because I was doing the implementation. So when I say implementation, it could be anything from a new website, which in all honesty, I think out of all the consulting clients I've worked with, every single one, we've redone the website because that's the home base. Yep, the home base. And if that's not conversion optimized, then we're going to have a really hard time getting results. So um, that's Mm. always a go-to for me if if the website's not right then I'll either redo it or we'll make changes to it to optimize it as best we can so that is is definitely uh, one of the first places to start and then from there it's around the email marketing side of things as well so I'm a platinum master with Clavio or Clavio as they say in their American accent yeah that is an e-commerce centric email marketing platform for any listeners that aren't familiar with with the platform. If you haven't seen it and you're using something else and you're an e-commerce brand, I highly recommend that you look at it. Right. It's an incredible system and it is it has created amazing revenue and return on investment for clients. Okay. So we would always look to do a combination of campaigns and flows, so automations and broadcast emails, and really help to build out a sophisticated email marketing strategy that allows the client to continue to make money based on behavior. And these emails are going out all the time without them having to touch anything. So it's Mm. a low-hanging fruit. And then it could be things like the promotional planning, so mapping out a 12-month calendar of events, which you know retail events or e-commerce events are we going to participate in what's our offer what does that campaign look like i'm a big believer in integrated marketing communication so the sum of all the parts is what makes a successful campaign not just executing in one area let's say you know an email or a social media post but rather focusing on the website activation which could be banners countdown timers manually marking down pricing etc it could be email marketing as well, SMS marketing, social media, Facebook ads, Google ads, influence marketing. The list goes on and on, but essentially mm. looking at as many touch points in a campaign as possible. And what we do is manage those campaigns end to end for clients. So we map out the plan together, we agree on all of the campaigns, and then the campaigns are created and put into action. So they don't have to worry about taking website banners up or down. That's all taken care of. They don't have to worry about creating the email or scheduling it. That's all taken care of. And then at the end of the campaign, they also get a results overview as well, which says these were the results from the campaign. This is what went well. This is what we could look at for next time, et cetera. And that just allows us to review the work as well and make sure that what we've done was successful. And if there's any opportunities to improve that for next time, then we've got that documented. So it's very diverse and it's very much whole of business because I come from general management. I'm not a consultant that just cares about revenue. I know I've spoken a lot about revenue being a key driver, but it's not just about revenue because if you're eroding your brand equity in the process or you're growing so quickly that you can't sustain that growth and you run out of cash, Mm -hmm. that's also a problem. And that can be a devastating problem and that could equal 
you not having a business anymore. So for mm. me, it's really important that everything that we do is underpinned by good strategy and sound decision making. And I'm very much a numbers girl. I'm always looking at the numbers and I never want to have a, yeah. a position for a client where they run out of cash or they just erode all of their brand equity through discounting all the time or whatever it may be. Yeah. And their brand doesn't have any substance anymore. That's such a that's yeah. such good advice. I mean, what did you study in, in uni, if you don't mind me asking? I have an MBA. So my uh, major okay. was in yeah, marketing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I have always, since I was a little girl, I've always loved self-development. I was obsessed with it. I would be yeah. in the bookstore reading the Tony Robbins books yes. at eight years old. <laughs> well, I think we all have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, a couple of years ago, actually, it was just after I launched the business, so it would have been end of 2019, yeah. I did my NLP practitioner, so my Neuro Linguistics um, Programming Practitioner wow. accreditation, you and I amazing. loved that. Wow. I'm actually just about to undertake my master's in NLP, commencing in a couple of weeks' time. So I'll do half of it in December and then another half um, next year in February and then I'll have some practical work that I need to complete and that will sort of round off my coaching accreditation because I really love the study of the brain and so it has right. provided yeah. a lot of value for clients as well. That's so amazing. You're not a one-woman band, are you? No, I do have a team. Now, when I started, I was on my own. I had an EA that I hired first just to help with onboarding and all of the back-end work. Now I also have a number of team members that work in separate areas. So, you know, for example, with Facebook ads and Google ads, they're very specialised areas. You really do need a resource there that's just playing in that space because mm. things change all the time. And as you know, the whole digital marketing landscape is like an ocean, a galaxy mm. even. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to find one person that can do all of it really well because yeah. it's impossible mm. so for me it's really important to have those specialized skill sets and that's how I'm able to to offer such a high quality service to clients as well to give them the best of the best but essentially under one umbrella under one retainer where they you know if they were to recruit these resources individually it could cost them several hundreds of thousands of dollars a year so it provides amazing value Wow, I'm like just sitting here <laughs> trying to like process all these. I'm like blown away, absolutely blown away. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Um, Olivia, can you give us maybe some like case studies like with brands that you've worked with um, and how you've helped them? Maybe like share with us like some of the, I suppose, like success stories. Yes, definitely. I have been very fortunate to work with some amazing brands since mid-2019 and I take that very seriously as well because for me it's a huge, I guess, comfort to me to know that clients trust me with mm. their brands because it's mm. such a personal thing. We think of our businesses as our baby. So yeah. for someone or anyone to trust me with their brand is a huge thing for me and I don't take that lightly. The business is very much founded on results it's one of our core values transformation and results is one of our core values as is service and that relationship is really important to me since 2019 or mid 2019 when i started the business we've helped our consulting clients generate over 45 million in revenue wow which has been through one of the most 
turbulent business times, arguably, that we've seen in our lifetime with COVID. Mm. So it's been a real honour to be able to generate that type of revenue, not only for clients, which has genuinely changed their lives, but I also think about the economy. And, you know, some industries have obviously been hit a lot harder than others. Hospitality Mm. and tourism obviously have had a really hard time. E-commerce has had a great time because of lockdowns. But it's comforting to me to know that I've helped in a way create and stimulate the economy during a time that was very, very hard for, for everyone. So that's been amazing. I have lots of case studies, but coming into the episode today, I've just plucked out three that I wanted to take you through. So the first client I've been working with since the end of 2019, the business in that calendar year did 1.7 million. And this year to date, we're tracking close to 7 million and we'll definitely do 1 million (laughs) this month. So they're the types of results that, I've been able to help clients achieve in saying that the work that I do is collaborative. So I vet clients very closely when taking a new client on board, when I have an opening because I want to make sure that the person that I'm working with has the same values. The person that I'm working with is tenacious and driven and aligned to their why because mm. they need to meet me halfway. True. Yeah. And it's really important with a consulting relationship that yep. we don't take on the full responsibility for the success of the client. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very dangerous space. So with all of these case studies, I just want to say how amazing the CEO is behind mm. these brands because they are the ones, yes, they've they've worked with me and I've given the strategy and I've assisted with the implementation but they're the ones in their business day in, day out, getting mm. those results and making sure that the plans that we agree on, they're disciplined on a daily basis to make those plans come into fruition. Yeah. yeah. That's so and true. If, I, I came from a legal background. I was a lawyer before. And so, you know, when you're doing advisory, you have to have, like, you know, be on the same wavelength as your client to get the results that they want. A hundred percent. totally agree. If, If I was to personality profile the clients that I think are most successful, I would definitely profile them as being driven, tenacious, growth-focused, almost not taking no for an answer. Yes. And that they they want the feedback. They're like, yep, give it to me. Yeah. What what are we doing wrong? What can we do better? And they want to hear the feedback. They're not defensive at all. Yes. Mm. They think that feedback is the food of champions. They're so hungry and eager and they're motivated every day despite the fact that a lot of my clients are also parents and they've got competing responsibilities of, you know, parenthood as well as entrepreneurship Mm. and running teams and managing businesses and all the extra things that they're doing. So there's that real energy and love and desire to make things happen. (laughs) Basically, are all of your clients Aries? (laughs) Well, you know, know, I always attract, I seem to attract a lot of Pisces. Oh, really? And I have a lot of clients who are Scorpios as well. It's a bit of a mixed bag, actually. Um, No Leos? Oh, no, I don't think so. Actually, there might be one. I Leo would match well with you, though, man. Oh, no, we do. I get along with fire signs really well because fire and fire fuel each other. Yeah, yeah. Really well. Oh, nice. Um, I also have an Aries client as well, which is fun. So, yes. yes. 
Um, but in terms of other case studies, so another client that I've plucked out as well, um, so similar sort of timeframes, the 2019 calendar year prior to working together, they did around a quarter of a million in sales. Mm-hmm. So to put that into perspective, we actually did that last month alone. But wow. the 2022 yeah. calendar year will be about 1.5 mil, I would say, projected. Wow, congratulations. Client number three um so prior to working together I did financial years for this one just because of the dates yes. and when we started working together yeah. but before, prior to us working together it was about quarter of a million in sales and then FY23 so by the end of this financial year we should hit about 1.2 million wow, wow. so and these numbers I just want to say as well it's not just about the numbers. Like I said, it's also about the profitability. It's also about the brand equity. It's also about the positioning and how that brand is perceived in the mm. market by its competitors. Yeah. Because yeah. one of the clients that I reference here, one of the big things that I said to that client when we first started working together is this will be a journey. It takes three to five years to build a brand really well. Agreed. But just watch your competitors yeah. will start copying you soon because when we first started working together, it was, you know, always looking at what other brands were doing. That was sort of what, what they were doing. They were looking at what other Australian brands are doing. And I said, no, let's benchmark off global because if you benchmark off of Australia, it's just not, it's not different enough because we're too close. It's a small country. True. And mm. also we want to look at a global platform because that's more motivating. Yeah. So, and what we started noticing, sure enough, is that competitors started copying some of the things that we were doing. And it was a real light bulb moment, I think, for this client where the penny dropped and, and that client sort of realised that it's the positioning is really important and how you're perceived in the market is really important as well. So, with all of these clients, they've had a combination of there's been a lot of rebranding done, new websites being built, really sophisticated email marketing setups and a really strong ad strategy as well to drive traffic. Mm. I like the holistic wow. approach and even think about like the, the company's equity. That's yes. amazing. Yeah, not that many consultants. Like some consultants just zero in on return on investment from a revenue point of view, but they don't look it, at the whole picture. Which it I, drives me I love. I love what you've done. Thank you. It's actually one of my pet hates is consultants or agencies potentially that are just focused on the revenue because all they care about, in my opinion, is getting the revenue number so they can say, look at me, look how amazing I am. I took this brand from X to Y. Now, I know Mm. that I've just said that, but if you look on my website, that's not something that I solely focus on. For Mm. me, when I'm working with a client, one of the first things that I'll ask is, what's your goal? Mm. is this a lifestyle business or are we attempting to scale something here that we can sell yes. where where are we going with this and yeah. the advice that I'm going to give a client that wants a lifestyle business and values time freedom and financial mm. freedom is completely different advice as, as what I might advise someone who's wanting to scale a business and sell it so yeah so yeah there's yeah. very different advice required for different situations and I think that's essentially the bread and butter of everything I do. And that's where the, the registered trademark of the CEO's wing woman came from. It's because clients turn to me as that trusted advisor mm. or sounding board on lots of different business issues from leadership to production to marketing and sales to even personal things because a lot of their personal life also dovetails into business. Mm. So. Mm. 
you know, making sure that their mindset is 100% to be able to run these successful businesses because behind these brands is an individual that is having their own leadership journey and having a leadership journey is a lot of mindset work to help you overcome certain limiting beliefs that have been holding you back for a really long time and are then sort of starting to affect your team as well. So it's Mm. a very holistic process. It certainly is. <laughs> wow. Um, just uh, touching back on that, um, you know, when people are looking at what type of business that they're looking that they want to um, build, like in terms of lifestyle versus something that's scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, do Do you have a preference when it comes to something like that? Like when picking a client, or no, not at all. For me, what's important when I'm embarking on a new journey with a new client is to make sure that we have aligned values yeah. and that we communicate effectively and that we have yeah. each other's trust. Yeah. If I am, you know, in the early stages of talking to a potential new client and it's it's difficult, mm. then it's a really big red flag to me that the rest of the relationship is probably going to be yeah. difficult because if it's dif- difficult before we've even embarked on the journey together, mm. then I don't, I don't believe nine times out of ten, yeah. 99 times out of 100, it's it's not going to change. So, And it's important yeah. for me and them because we don't want to waste each other's time. They could find another person or another consultant who is the right fit for them. And it's yeah. no different to dating. Yeah. You know, if you meet someone new, if you're single and you meet someone new and it's you go on a few dates and it's really hard and you have to work at it and you're constantly misunderstanding each other and there's all those miscommunications, but you're both coming from the best possible heart, but you've got all these sort of, misunderstandings then Mm. you're probably not compatible in a relationship and I think this is no different it's a little bit like dating and I sometimes feel like I have multiple wives at one time um very romantic very much that I'm you know I'm I'm courting people but it's really important they're the things I care about I could not care about how big your revenue is or what car you drive or whether you want to start and scale a business or whether you want mm. a lifestyle, none of that matters to me. What matters to me is we can communicate, we have each other's trust and our, we have aligned values and we want the same things. Trust and I think if we so have that. Trust is so important in, yeah. in doing business. I totally agree with you. Definitely. Yeah, it's really, really important, particularly in this type of dynamic as well because a lot of the time the things that we might be talking about doing in a strategy could could be scary yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so or overwhelming because it's very overwhelming process. It is. Yeah, and you know, it's also even if you look at something like branding, mm. people, especially founders, get very protective over branding. Mm. Mm. And yeah. if you have a consultant come in who's suggesting that you change your colors or completely reinvent your branding, that's scary. It is. It is scary because there's so many schools of thought as well, and everybody has an opinion. So if they're like, <laughs> you know, you could be saying one thing, and then, you know, um, or giving them advice, and then their friend that maybe operates their own business on the side is also giving them advice. So they yes. get very conflicted. You yeah. Know, <laughs> and this so has actually many. happened to me once with a, with a client in regards to branding. Yeah. And there was a definite need for branding. And we actually look back on it now and we laugh about it because 
I said to them very early in the piece that the branding needed to change. The logo was beautiful, but just the the colours and the typefaces, a lot of it had to change. Yeah. And and so I made these suggestions and they went to their friends and family and they said, what do you think of our branding as is? Yeah. And the friends and family said, oh, you know, it's amazing. We really like it. Yeah. And I said to the client when they told me this, you know, with all due respect, and here's the direct areas in me coming out. Yeah. Are your friends and family telling you that because they don't want to hurt your feeling? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You've got it. Nailed yeah. it on, on the head. Yeah. Yeah. And they thought about it and they came back and said, yeah, we we think you're right. That's, that probably is the case. And so, you know, eventually what happened was we did do the repositioning. The brand looks stunning now. And they look back at it and think, oh, my God, what were we mm. thinking? And it's a bit like when you look back at some of the things you thought were cool to wear at the time or whatever and you're like, oh, my God, like what is that out here? Yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, you know, they have those moments. But you don't know what you don't know and it's really hard when you don't have anything to sort of compare against, you haven't lived through it. It, yes. it can be scary and that's why the trust element is really important because you need to be able to take that leap of faith mm-hmm. and know that someone's going to catch you on the other side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so you must keep yourself like on top of all the trends, right? Like, yeah. How do you go about doing that? I mean, because do you always look towards the US or Europe and see what they're doing? Definitely because... more so US. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. And I think as well, because all of my clients are essentially targeting consumers between 18 and 44. Yep. Probably more narrowly, 25 to 34, but let's say 18 to 44 as the broader majority age bracket. Yeah. And so I feel because I'm in the middle of that age bracket and I'm smack bang in the 25 to 34, it's a really good position for me to be in because I'm in it and I'm living it. It's not as if I'm, you know, 13 trying to market products to 60-year-olds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm in it. So it it, it becomes an an advantage to be able to serve clients in this space because I'm consuming all of these products. I'm Mm -hmm. using all of these products and I'm I'm in the thick of it. So it does make it a little bit easier at this stage. Um, You mentioned earlier that um, you've grown up and it's in your DNA to do this type of consulting business. What was it like growing up with such a strong role model like your mum who's the founder of Cosmia it was interesting when I was preparing for the podcast today I I thought about some of the experiences that I had as a child and as a teen and I think at the time I thought it was really normal but now as an adult with my own children I look back and think no that was a pretty unique childhood I think (laughs) you know some of the things that happen probably are not the standard things that happen in, in most situations so I think for me, because mum started the business when I was 18 months old, some of my earliest memories as a child are the three of us kids filling bottles of rose oil around the kitchen table or helping mum in the home office print labels off the computer because I was an absolute tech fiend even from toddler age. Love it. And I was always attached to my mum. We were joint at the hip and so... Because my siblings were, there was five years between us, so I have an older brother, five years older, and an older sister who's 10 years older. Wow. Mum just took me to everything. So I went to all of her business meetings. I went to trade shows. I would go and meet, like, whenever she was meeting a new advisor or accountant or whatever, Mm. I would go to the meetings with her. And it was really funny because I remember being underestimated so many times. Oh, for sure. And little did they know that when we were getting in the car, I was giving mum the, the breakdown the on who yeah. we met. Yeah. And I was like, okay, 
this is what this person's about, yeah. can't trust him, can trust them, you know, and I would personality <laughs> profile them. Yeah. So they're probably thinking, oh, yeah, here we go, you know, the six-year-old, she's harmless, hello, little girl. And then yeah. I'd get in the car with mum and I'd be giving her a full personality breakdown about, yeah. you know, whether this person was a good egg or a bad egg. So yeah. that they were some of my experiences. So I was listening to all the phone calls because I was in the car with mum all the time. So yeah. I just was – exposed and I guess marinated in it whether I liked it or mm. not yeah. from mm. a very young age I would but go there during it, school right? holidays oh my god I loved it yeah I, would I can tell you plans. loved it yeah I would go there in the school holidays bored out of my mind and be like okay what work can I do just give things to me whether it was data entry or whatever and then I would get bored and make business plans and I would give them to the general manager there at the time and get her to mark them and provide feedback. And yeah. I'm kicking myself because one of my ideas yes. at 13 or something was to do an organic pet care range. Oh, and really? I look back now and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, shoot. you idiot. Yeah. That would have been such a good idea. Yeah, that would have oh imagined you gosh. like a 13-year-old with a whole empire. Oh, my God. I know. You could have been a child prodigy. <laughs> I know. Well, I honestly, think you're anyone, a child prodigy. I think you're a If child anyone has a time capsule, I would really value that. I would go back to that moment and, and probably start that business. But anyways, we got there. We got there in the end and I love what I do. But that was essentially what it was like for me growing up in that business. And I think because mum was always so disciplined and very hardworking, mm. it gave me a really good ground, I guess, positioning going mm. into my career of how to show up. And working in the family business as well, she always taught me, if you're working here, you are under the microscope more than anybody else in this business tenfold. Mm. So you make sure you get here you know, before your start time. You make sure you dress as professional as possible. You want to be overdressed, not underdressed. You want to be there early, never late. You want to yeah. always be putting in 150% effort when everyone else is putting in 100 or 80. So yeah. it was drummed First into me. First one there and last one to leave. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really important to, I guess, give me really good work ethic and that has served me a lot because I'm so disciplined, probably sometimes to my detriment from a health perspective because I will work myself to the core. Yeah. But if I say I'm going to do something, I do it and I'm very, very hardworking in that regard and I really I credit that to mum because she was very much the reason as to why I have that, that drive and I guess that ability to work really hard. That's so good. That's, that's, so good. that's Every, amazing. Everyone needs a childhood like that. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it comes with its challenges too. And my life now is no different. I have three kids and they're all mm. under five. I've got one at school and two at home. Mm. And I work full time. And I've worked full time, you know, for the past three and a half years. And before that, I was in general management doing the same. So I have sacrificed time with my kids to build a business and create a lifestyle for my family and for their future. And that was no different to what mum did with us as kids. But, you know, we didn't have mum at every netball game and we didn't get picked up first. Like a lot of the time we were in after school hours care because she was mm. working until five. And, you know, yeah, as a kid, that probably sucks a little bit. And, you you know, you want your parents to come and pick you up together from school and, yeah. you know, have the perfect lunchbox and have the power rate at the netball game and all those things. But I yes, I it was a trade off, I guess. Like I didn't have those things, but I do mm. have this ama amazing life now, and I'm now sort of following in the same footsteps in my own way, in my own life. And I hope that I'm now setting an example for my kids that 
you can work hard and you can pursue your dreams simultaneously with parenthood or, you know, whatever other things you've got going on in your world. It's just about choice and and how you look to balance your time. Mm. So, Olivia, tell us a bit more um, regarding the awards you've won. Um, which one was the most memorable one for you? Oh, that's a tough one. I think all of the awards I've won have been an absolute honour and they're from different organisations as well with sort of different criteria. So it's nice to have that mix amongst a few different areas. And I think there's something really incredible about the awards process in general. I think one of my most memorable things in regards to awards in general is that it forces you to reflect on your achievements Mm-hmm. and see how far you've come because as part of the awards process you generally have to provide results and you have to talk about the things that you've done and some of the successes that you've had and yeah. I think sometimes we can all relate to being in the rat wheel and yes. you're doing the doing and you're working in the business and sometimes you forget to actually stop and smell the roses and look mm. at the results and look at the things that you've achieved so yeah if you're listening to this podcast today and you haven't gone through the process before, this is your sign to enter an award either this year or next year and really put yourself in a position where you have to do this process because it's really incredible to be able to reflect on on some of the best achievements and I think it's something that we can forget to do as business owners. And I think it also helps drive you forward, isn't it? Like with each award that you've won, you've got more and more validation and it helps you really you know find the belief in yourself that what you've done is amazing absolutely and I think as well even if you don't win even if you're a finalist like you have to remember a lot of these award submissions they receive 2,000 3,000 submissions it's a huge amount of submissions that they receive Mm. so even if you're a finalist give yourself a pat on the back that's amazing to even have that and if you're not a finalist give yourself a pat on the back for actually stopping the clock and having a crack and having a go because, you know, it's not the easiest thing sometimes to write award submissions. They're generally very long and there's an art to it. So it gets easier and better every time. And one of my tips in that regard is many of the questions with award submissions are often similar in what they're asking. So once you have a bank of answers that you've written out, so for example, if it's, you know, explain to me what your your business is and, and who you serve, that's probably not going to change between award submission to award submission. So Mm, once you've gone through that process the first time, it does become easier because you've got a bit of a base to work off. Okay. That's a really good tip. Yeah. So do you, um, with all of your clients which are in beauty or lifestyle and fashion, do you recommend that they also apply for rewards uh, awards definitely yeah. in particular product awards because product awards yeah that's what i'm yeah. talking about like the allure yeah. beauty awards or so and so forth definitely any of those product awards really help to create social proof yes so that just falls under the umbrella of strengthening that trust with the consumers and when they see that you have awards it just gives them a sense of comfort that the product is going to do what it says it does and it's also really important as well for bricks and mortar applications so if you're doing a pitch into a bricks and mortar outlet whether it's mecca or sephora or you know pharmacy whatever your distribution channel is that is going to strengthen your offering if you can say you know this is my brand and we've a multi-award winning business in terms of our products 
that's impressive for them because as buyers, what they're looking for is a brand that has a solid product offering, you know, good positioning and has mm. a loyal following so that they're able to push the product out of their stores and not have the product sitting on the shelf forever. So they want to know that there's a cult-like following and there's people that are going to come into their stores to buy it. Mm, so true. Although I have come across one instance where it's a beauty product, which has won mm. quite a few awards, but they can't seem to break into the brick and mortar, like a Mecca or Sephora or even a Priceline. Mm. Yeah, I think it depends on the brand. There's obviously so many different factors that come into this. And, the you know, buyers are obviously very particular and very choosy about the brands that they want to take on board because it will reflect on them if it's the wrong decision. So mm -hmm. I'm sure in that instance there would be some other reason as to why they're not having the success with getting a bricks and mortar um, deal locked in. There would be something mm -hmm. that's not quite the right fit, whether, you know, the positioning is not quite right or whether they've got another brand in there that would be a conflicting brand to the potential brand. So there's lots of different factors as to why, what makes a brand that a buyer will accept versus not accept. And also timing. That's, that's one of the biggest things. And because mm -hmm. coming from corporate as well, so in particular with Cosmia, that was a pharmacy distribution. It's about timing as well because they don't have rubber walls. Every buyer will tell you we can't have unlimited product because they don't have unlimited space in yes. the planogram or in the stores. So yeah, it's not that uncommon for brands to have to buy out existing brands because oh, okay. they, yeah. this is what used to happen. They would sort of have a planogram in place with a particular brand and then if they knew that they wanted to get rid of it in three months' time, they would say to the next brand, well, if you want this spot, you yeah. have to buy out the product because – Otherwise, we're going to lose money. And so mm -hmm. it would be the next brand's responsibility to buy out the old brand to get that spot, to get that real estate. So it's a very okay. complicated space at times. They, they don't do that now, do they? I haven't worked in a pharmacy space for many years, um, okay. but it was very common practice back then. Okay. It may not be as much anymore, but, I mean, a lot of the, the promotional activities are brand-funded. So if you mm. see... A lot of the time, if you see 20% off a particular brand in a department store, it's not yeah. the department store that's taking the margin here. It's the brand. They're uh, funding that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I believe, is still is still very common practice. It's interesting. Mm. So, Olivia, can you give us a few tips for our listeners who want to start their own business in beauty or fashion? Any... any uh, Gems. <laughs> I do have a lot. I honestly, I could talk about this all day, but I'll I'll try and keep it succinct. So, okay. So one. two I know is definitely look into Clavio, Clavio, Clavio. Yes. Yep. Yes. And it's enter awards. Guys, definitely one and two. <laughs> the other one as well, which dovetails into what I was talking about before with clients and what I look for in a potential client, but. You need to be really connected to your why and know why you are starting your own business. Mm. Because when it gets tough, when the going gets tough, if you don't have a strong enough why and it gets hard, you're just going to give up. Yep. Yeah. I That's that really so important. Often. Yeah. No why. Make the decision now. If you're going to start your own business, make a commitment to yourself mm. that you're going to show up for yourself. Yeah. No one else is going to show up for you except you. You have to back yourself. You have to keep yourself going when the going gets tough. So that's number one most important. Um, definitely have discipline. 
be really consistent with your efforts. The secret to your future, which is one of my favourite quotes, the secret to your future is hidden in your daily routine. Yes. Of what you do on a daily basis. Yeah. I would rather you do a little bit each day than do bulk work at the end of the week. Mm. It takes daily commitment. Have yeah. a solid strategy and a plan. Yes, you do need to do a business plan. And if you haven't done one and you need help with that process, I do have an incredible resource on my website that will take you through the step-by-step on how to write a business plan. If you're an established business and you don't have a business plan yet, go and do one. It's still really important. The other thing is to make sure you're registering your IP and seek advice on this from a trademark attorney. I have seen this happen before where a, a business in the fashion industry as a startup went and got all their branding done, their swing tags, all of the things, and then they found out just as they were about to launch that they'd infringed somebody else's trademark. Oh, so yeah. that's a Ooh. big error and that can mean tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment down the drain so this goes beyond just registering a business name that's not what i'm referring to i'm talking about trademarks so yeah yeah make sure that your your name or whatever it is that you're launching that you are legally okay because that can be a big problem number two so aside from legal there's also finance which is directly linked with that know Mm. your numbers and price your product correctly Running an e-commerce business or any business is expensive Mm. and there are so many things that you need to invest in, content, ads, you know, whether that's management or ad spend, influencer marketing, website expenses, email marketing, the list goes on and on and on and on. If you aren't getting your gross profit number, you're not going to be able to support your operating expenses. So you're going to go into the red very Mm. quickly and you're going to burn through cash reserves very quickly. So. Yes, you're going to have startup capital that's required as once-off things. So, you know, investment in your website, you're not going to do that every five minutes. But there's also ongoing expenses as well and some variable expenses like your ad spend. You need to make sure that you've got enough fat in your pricing because if you don't, then you're going to run out of cash very quickly and you'll forever be chasing your tail. So Mm. that's really important. Yeah. If you are not super confident with your numbers, you don't have to be a financial expert, but just have somebody in your corner that can help you understand because over the years where I've seen businesses go very wrong is usually to do with overordering stock and not being able to sell it before it goes out of date or whatever becomes redundant. Mm. And or they've put the financial success or the numbers in somebody else's hands that they thought they could trust Mm -hmm. and then they've worked out down the track that they're in a very compromising position and, you know, it's been a slippery slope from there. So it's really important that you understand how to interpret a financial statement, that you understand what the difference is between gross profit and net profit, profit, Mm -hmm. to understand what your percentage goals are, like what are you actually aiming to achieve in gross profit percentage and net profit percentage? Do you have some goals for that? So mm. that's really important. Cash also, flow is also very important, isn't it? Watching your cash huge, flow. Huge. Huge. And that's an ongoing thing. Yeah. And that's, that's why I said earlier in the call about you can't just have infinite growth. Mm. You need to have a lot of cash to have infinite growth and really quick growth. So it's really mm. important that... We have to look at both angles. Yes, it's about the revenue and, and growing sales, but also are we growing sustainably and can we support it? Because mm-hmm. I'd rather grow and consolidate, grow and consolidate and have a healthy business and not have cash flow pressures where 
the CEO is stressed out of their eyeballs and they're not making any good decisions because they're so stressed out about money. Mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's really important. So and important. having a good accountant as well that sets your business up for tax purposes good and correct from the very beginning. Mm. You know, if you're starting as a sole trader, that could be okay, but just make sure you're registering for GST at the right time and you're incorporating a company when you should be or establishing a trust when the time is right. So that's really important as well. Mm. And, of course, having a good coach or a good advisor on side to support you in your business, that's the thing that's going to save you thousands of dollars and lots of time. And that's what's going to fast-track your success is having someone who's got the runs on the board, that has the industry experience and has the expertise to be able to advise you correctly so you're making the right decisions at the right time. So agree, so agree. How was that? That was. I tried to, I tried to get in a lot for you as quickly as I could. I, I think we need. I, I think we need to tell everyone from the beginning to get your notebook and pen ready. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Start taking notes. Oh, they can just keep listening to this episode. I know. <laughs> I, yes, listen to the episode and listen to Download it again. Download it because, and listen yes, to it again absolutely. and again. Again, there's absolutely. just so many gems that you've shared so, with us. Olivia, just out of curiosity, is there like a point where, you know, when someone starts a business and, you know, you want to, obviously every business you want to hit that break even point, right? That's, that's, that's like a goal, you know, is there like, you know, a point or a, I don't know, like a time frame that, you know, a new startup should be hitting that break even or it's different for everybody? It is different for everybody and it, there's so many different factors to this that, again, we could probably do a whole podcast episode just on this. Yeah. For me, if you're at the very start-up point, I think the only time I would say close up shop is if you're not passionate about what you do. If you don't want this, it's yeah. never going to work yeah. because you've already told yourself that you don't want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. So that's the only time. I think if you're an established business, just if you're not passionate about what you do anymore, sell the business or make a transition before you make decisions that are detrimental to the business and mean that it's it's valued at a lower amount than if you just sold it sold it when you were honest with yourself about mm. where you're at. Yeah. So I think that passion is really important because as human beings – we put off the things that we don't really care about or don't really want to do. Yeah. You know, I get sometimes my bookkeeper sends me the email that says, hey, I'm missing these receipts. And that email can sit in my inbox for three weeks sometimes Mm. because I don't enjoy doing it. And I'll be honest, that's something that I just don't love doing. I don't love finding receipts and sending them through. I do it because I have to. But, you know, that's a good example. So if that's how you're feeling about your business, Mm. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll get to it next week or I'll get to it the week after. Yeah. Probably time to have an honest conversation and ask yourself, is this really what I want? Mm. And if you don't want it bad enough. Why do you think some people lose the passion? Because I think sometimes, there's so many different things, but I think one of them is sometimes people look at e-commerce businesses and they think, oh, my God, I can just get a product and I can put a label on it and start a website. Yeah. And I'm going to be loaded. So they think like they're going to have an overnight success, right? When yes. really they should be working at it. 
and they yeah. prioritize what they want right now yeah. over what they want in the future. Mm. And you could say that about many different things. You could say that about getting the body that you want. Yeah. You prioritize snoozing your alarm because that's what you want in that moment. Yes. Mm. And you put off getting the body that you want because what you want right now is to sleep in. Mm. Whereas discipline comes from making sacrifice and pushing yourself when you don't really feel like it because mm. you know that the habits of your daily life is what's going to help you achieve the goal. The goal is one thing and Atomic Habit, Habits is the perfect book to read if you're if what I'm saying is resonating with you. Mm. It's not about mm. the goal. The goal is just the goal. But mm. what helps you achieve the goal is your habits. Mm. So if you want to lose 10 kilos, it's your habits that are going to help you lose the 10 kilos, not the fact that you wrote down that goal. Yes. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. yeah. It's what so you're true. doing to actually achieve that on a daily basis. And it's no yeah. different with business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really important, that discipline, the tenacity, the drive, the the mm. why. And, you know, it's it's not easy running these businesses. It's it's sort of a little bit like they there was a book, Good to Great, mm-hmm. the Red Carter. I, I can't recall the name of the author. It's one of my favorites, sorry. But these days it's it's almost not enough to be great anymore. Mm. you have to be exceptional because the competition out there is so fierce and there's people out there that want it so badly and they're Mm. so driven and they're so hungry that that's what you're competing against yeah so if you want to be the best and you want to succeed you have to dedicate yourself and you really have to think about ways that you can get one percent better every day Mm. do you do you have you ever come across a brand that you've really loved and they've sort of needed your coaching on how to stay passionate about what they were doing? Uh, yes, sort of. I think it's more so sometimes running a business is a bit lonely. True. And mm. you need well, – sometimes people feel like they need a god. They need someone above them as a CEO yeah. that they can become accountable to mm. because yeah. if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, I will ask you mm. why. Yeah. Mm. So I I think there's that accountability piece there, and it's also that that friend, that person that you want to bounce ideas off, and that yeah. person that you want to talk to about, you know, the idea or the new product or whatever. And mm. sometimes you can't talk about those things with your team because you know you may not be able to talk about that with subordinates, with people in your business that are working in areas where you don't want to talk about your numbers and how yeah. much money you're making. Yeah. Yeah. Or who your suppliers are. Yeah. So it's it's about having that vault and I'm that is one thing I pride myself on. I am a vault. Yeah. If a client comes to me with information, it does not go beyond mm. me. Mm. And I, you know, I yeah. Yeah. And mm. I have so much information, mm. you know, in my head that I come across from clients all the time and I cannot release any of that information to anyone mm. because that's their their confidential information. So yeah. for them, it's sort of like, you know, when you go to a, a psych or something or a counsellor and you know that you're going to pay your money and you're going to sit in that room and you can say whatever you like and, and the psychologist is not going to share that information with anyone. Mm. That yeah. counsellor is not going to share that information. It's yeah. sort of a bit like that. They know that when they come and sit with me that they can talk about everything freely and they can get it off their chest or they can get excited about this new product that they're talking about and that's what puts their wind in the, in the sails. It's not so much that 
they need me to hold their hand and make make them motivated. Mm. Sometimes they might need a pep talk because they've had a bad day and they Mm. might need some perspective. And that's, you know, more around that mentoring piece. Mm. But a lot of the time us just having that monthly meeting where we're talking about the plans and the strategy and what they're going to be launching is Mm. enough to get them excited. They leave that meeting and they're bouncing off the walls. And a lot of the time I'll get emails afterwards or a text message from a client and they'll say, oh, my God, I just love our sessions. I feel so excited now about everything and I can't wait to get stuck into everything. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you. That's how I like to leave clients after those meetings because I want them to go through the rest of the week or fortnight or month or whatever it is with so much energy so they can get everything done that we spoke about. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I'm sure some of us can relate to this. Sometimes when you try and have growth conversations with people that are not growth focused, Mm. so it could be an accountant, for example. Accountants a lot of the time are looking at historical information, what's already happened, and then making decisions based on that. That's a very different mindset than someone who's focusing on growth consulting. Mm. So Mm. sometimes when you have a conversation with an accountant, it can sometimes they can scare businesses a little bit and, and sort of put fear in their sales. Yeah, what I try and do, and I'm. I don't want to just single out accountants. So I'm sorry to all the accountants that are listening, but just to give you, which is like an my example. whole family, my whole. Family. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Nah, no, no, that's true. No, I'm, well, there, different... there are different types of accountants, though. Some accountants Absolutely. can be focused on growth as well. But uh, yeah, no, I no, I totally get you. Yeah, you just, mm. you, I don't like to leave anyone in a state of fear because mm. for me, if you're in a state of fear you're not going to be performing at your best. True. Mm. That's true. You're anxious, you're stressed, and that yeah. just sends them down a spiral of not feeling great. So I mm. really try and focus on lots of energy, which, you know, is is hard also from a consulting perspective. To keep as up that a human, level. Yeah. Yeah. As a human yeah. being, I still have energy reserves as well. So if I'm on back-to-back calls and I'm, you know, giving so much energy in all these calls, I can get home at the end of the day and just be like, a potato yeah sorry (laughs) and that's why and I I preach this to clients as well you have to a you have to have strong boundaries Mm. and b you have to make sure that you're doing something for yourself I have a concoction of different modalities and things that I you know I go to the physio quite often he's an osteo I get lots of energy healing done I see a naturopath I get bioresonance therapy I'm like the the full cocktail of different things because I have to protect myself as the asset. If I go down, yeah. it's a big problem. Yeah. Not so, only for my family, but also for my clients as well. So that protecting the asset is really important. And that's why it's so important for me to vet clients as well, because if you're not the right fit for one another, that can be a very taxing and difficult energy drain, draining experience as well yeah. if you're not aligned with each other. So that's yeah. why that's really important. That can drain you for sure. So just touching base, I think you briefly talked us through it, but what are some of the things that you love to do on your off time? Like this energy healing, what's that all about? Uh, That's Reiki. I've always had a real spiritual side Mm. to to me, probably since I was about 13. I mean, from a very young age, I always loved fairies and mystical things and all of that. But for me, energy healing has been really important and just learning how to ground myself and protect my energy because I am an empath and I do give my whole heart and soul to everything and everyone. And so 
for me, it's just finding the time. You're such a typical Aries. I am. Oh I'm a fixer. I want to fix everyone. <laughs> oh, you have a problem? Let me fix it. Yeah, they, I, yeah. That, and that's so draining. You really have mm. to ground yourself. And, you do. Um, yeah. And I think since having a family of my own, I, I really realised as well that I can't save everyone and it's also not my job to. I, mm. I'm not responsible for everybody else. I'm responsible for me and I, I just try and show up as the best person that I can be and, you know, do good and be kind to thy neighbour and, and all of those things. And one thing I didn't mention, which is probably relevant in all of this as well, is I actually grew up as a Jehovah's Witness until I was 12. Oh, wow. And oh. so that's okay. in contrast to what I just said about spirituality because obviously yes. there's a real contradiction mm. there. But that I always grew up in a very disciplined religion. That's a very disciplined religion where you're attending church, you know, three to five times a week, you're pioneering, you're door knocking, you're doing all of those things. Mm. But there's a real sense of community and there's a lot of structure and there's also a very clear set of rules as well around being a good person and basic Christianity. So for me, I've taken some elements of that, which I really love and value from that time of my life. Mm. And I've also been open-minded to more of the new age spirituality things as well. And I've adopted some of those principles. Um, but in terms of my off time, I love spending time with my family on the farm and just having experiences, watching the sunset together, having mm. a morning coffee with my husband and watching mm. the sunrise and looking out over the prop property. Success for me is having the time and financial freedom to spend those special moments with my family and enjoy all of the beauty that life has to offer. It's not about, you know, the car or the designer stuff. Yes, I, I love fashion and that's an expression of my creativity. But, you know, the friends that I've had, I've had for decades. The people that are in my life, my inner circle, I trust them wholeheartedly and I do anything for them and I genuinely enjoy their company. I love riding my horse and being out in the fresh country air. That's probably a side to me that's not seen through my social media because I do present very formal and polished and mm. corporate. But actually behind that corporate space mm. is a dad who just loves being out on the farm and having really good, deep and meaningful conversations with the people that I love and care about. And spending time with my family because I'm a homebody. So, you know, and the, the veggie patch. I love my whole like, thing <laughs> has been a self-sustainable farm. That's been my number one thing aside from personal development and professional development. The vision that I've had for over a decade has been getting onto a property that I could make out to be a self-sustainable farm, have our own water, have our own animals, grow our own vegetables. Wow. and just live a life off the land which is totally opposite to digital and I think that's why I love it so much because I don't want to live in a parallel universe I don't want to work in digital and then go home to an apartment in the city so we did you come from the city though like did you grow up in the suburbs I grew up in Port Wollonga which is sort of beach it's a coastal area in South Australia and it's probably about an hour away from the city so when okay. my parents were still together I grew up down there and then mum was a serial mover so we lived in I didn't even know how many houses like 15 houses or something yeah. over the years and we moved from beach to city to the Adelaide Fields so we did for maybe four or five years live on a 75 acre property in the Adelaide Hills okay. but I thought that was a farm 
And then I yeah. met my husband, who's a country boy, and yeah. he told me that he had friends that, you know, because he went to boarding school. He's like, I have friends that live on um, stations that have millions of acres. Like, wow. and a thousand acre paddock would be where they put their horse. And I was wow. Like, oh, okay, so maybe I can't say farm anymore. Maybe I don't live on a farm. So, <laughs> <laughs> I have to imagine so what we live in because we're like in the Sydney suburb. <laughs> oh, honestly, George, my husband, would not cope. Like, we lived in the city for five years when we were getting our businesses set up because he has his own business too. He's a builder and he does earth moving as well. And now we have the farm and we have OJC. So there's four businesses between us. But we lived in the city and he was like Crocodile Dundee. He was like, oh, oh that's wow. not a knife. This is a knife. Like, oh, I, I remember love it. we had a fire pit in the backyard one day when we first moved in. Because when we first met, I actually moved to um, Keith, which is on the border of Vic and SA. Yes. And I lived in a town of a 1,000 people with him for a year while he finished his apprenticeship. And that was two and a half hours from a city. So... That was yeah. full-blown regional. But yeah. when we came to Adelaide, I was like, oh, my God, you're so embarrassing. He would go through the express checkout with, like, 100 items. And I'm like, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. He's like, why not? And I'm like, because it's the city now. We do things differently. There's a process. There's rules. Go through <laughs> a normal <You're> checkout. <laughs> oh, God, you're embarrassing me. So there were yeah. so many things like that. And then, you know, like having the fire pit in the backyard, the neighbours came and knocked over from our back fence being like, you know, why have you got a fire? And George was like, oh, these city people so uptight, da-da-da. Oh, so no. He was so struggle in Sydney then. Oh, he would Sydney. <laughs> he Sydney would not cope. cutthroat. <laughs> he would last five minutes. And his theory, because he drives this big, like, truck, it's like one of those big American trucks, and he thinks yeah. it's amazing. But I can just imagine him in peak hour traffic in Sydney, like, bumper to bumper in his big sort of American yeah. truck or something, just so frustrated. So yeah. he would not last five minutes. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think he will. It's, it is – I think, yeah, you need, like, a – you really need to detach your emotions in Sydney because <laughs> yes, it's very you know what's stressful. really interesting though. One thing that I noticed, and and this may not make sense, but just hear me out. Mm. When I lived in Keith, in the town of a thousand people, there was no traffic lights. Oh, there was oh. no traffic at all. Like you would drive, and there's no traffic, right? Because there's there's no one around. Yeah, yeah. When I moved back to the city, even just and Adelaide is not big traffic like it's not similar to Sydney it's very very small our population density is so much smaller but when you would drive in the traffic just the act of you know stopping at the traffic lights and giving way and whatever indicating and changing lanes and doing all those things you don't realize but we make so many decisions every day even those Mm. minor decisions about when to go in the traffic or when to turn or can I cut into that lane or stopping at the traffic lights that's all headspace Mm, that's being taken up and you don't realize it until you have something to compare it to but when you're driving in the city it is a whole different ball game and there's so much of your headspace being taken up that you've hypnotized yourself and you don't even realize it is and sometimes like honestly like I'm a person who gives away like I will like if someone wants to get in front I'm like okay I don't like it but I'm gonna let you in but then if they don't wave at me I'm dirty like I am I am dirty for the next 15 minutes. Like, and that is all I'm thinking about. I'm like, I wave, I let you in, and you didn't even wave at me. (laughs) 
I'm the, I'm the same, but I think it's because I'm a lover of justice. I should have been a lawyer because if things are unjust, I can't handle it. Yes. Yep. And I'm all about the underdog. I think this is why I've really loved working with small businesses as well because a lot of these brands were smaller brands when we started working together. I love the underdog. Yeah. Let the underdog yeah. win. Like, let's do this. Let's this is, a, this is a thing with Tashi. I will tell you. The thing with Aries, and this is majority Aries, is a lot of us are deep down humanitarians and yeah. we absolutely cannot stand injustice. Yeah. And yeah. there's honestly... I, I, I've gotten that from you before. <laughs> I've seen you. Whereas, whereas I'm a, I'm a, a Taurian, a Taurus, I, um, I'm pretty much slow to anger and frustration and... You're calm. You're yeah. so chilled. I'm always, yeah. It takes a it takes a lot to get me revved up. So yeah, sometimes yeah. when my husband's complaining in traffic, I'm like, why? Why would you <laughs> just yeah. chill? I See, mean, it's like it's a matter of seconds or minutes. Let's yeah. take it easy, you know. Let's focus on 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 what's more important. But yeah, um, definitely. Thank you so much, Olivia, for this amazing you, interview. Olivia. I mean, uh, we're, we're blown away. I love the. <laughs> I, I feel so energized just listening oh, to you. Like now, I think I can like go and get all of my other stuff done. It's amazing. like you're such a go getter, and I just love it. And your clients are so lucky to have you. Yeah, now, thank for you. listeners who want to hire you and contact you, what's the best way? Jump on my website, oliviajenkins.co, and just reach out to me via the contact form there. Or if you're on Instagram, my Instagram handle is oliviajenkins.co also, and you can find me there. I would be happy to chat with you to see if there's a fit to work together. And if you are a startup or if you are just wanting some ad hoc support and you're not quite ready to commit to, you know, a, a consulting offering, mm -hmm. then I can also work with you in an ad hoc strategy session as well where we can connect and have a session together and map out whatever it is that you're finding challenging at the moment. So there's definitely options on how we can work together. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much, Olivia. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's so nice to chat with you both. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, I mean, truly appreciate you listening in. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on our website, thebeautybusinesspodcast.com and Instagram at thebeautybusinesspodcast. And on Facebook at The Beauty Business Podcast. Feel free to email us at info at thebeautybusinesspodcast.com or DM us if there are any issues you would like us to cover. Thank you. Thank you. And we hope you will join us, us for our episode. next episode.